Welcome to Manage to Engage, the podcast from clearandopen.com, dedicated to the evolution of you because businesses grow when people do. Serving leaders, managers, and people who will be, helping you reach excellence in your work and achieve your personal goals at the same time. Sign up for the free course at clearandopen.com. An authority figure to me has a responsibility because they're the authority, they proactively take responsibility to do their best to differentiate between I'm bad and I did a bad thing. On the receiving end, an adult now armed with this information can also help. Hi, it's Joseph, and thanks for tuning in to Manage to Engage, the podcast from clearandopen.com. This episode is the second in a four-part series about the link between remorse and personal accountability. Specifically, we'll discuss the difference between shame and guilt. Your responsibility is only as good as your last choice, I'm sorry to say. But fear not, there's a huge distinction between being a so-called bad person, whatever that is, and simply doing a bad thing or making a bad choice. What managers and business owners need to know is how to understand this and be a responsible authority figure by implementing enforced regret appropriately. Are you still with me? It's a subject that dives deep into the difference between how each gender reacts to shame differently and how this can even relate to the symptoms of depression. We'll even discuss the classic cliche of good versus evil, which I'll argue is not observable in the natural world. It's a must-listen recording for anyone who is a manager, friend, spouse, parent, or just simply a human being that relates to others. That might be you. You won't want to miss it. This episode is from a recent weekly member webcast. For more information about the many benefits of Clear and Open membership and how to get the help you need in conversations like this, please go to clearandopen.com. Thanks so much for listening. Now let's dive in. I know so many women who go straight to shame, and I know far fewer men, at least who I see that outwardly from. I'm wondering if that's a thing. It's a good question. You know, what I would say is, uh, and um, from Brene Brown's work, uh, what she says, and I remember in one of her books, she said that men actually have a lot more shame than people give them credit for. And she found that, yeah, they just, it's repressed. They just don't talk about it much because it's not a manly kind of emotion, you know, to, um, so I, I'd say that probably there's a, there's a sort of global imbalance there where women are taking on too much in expression and, and men not enough in expression. At the essence, it's probably the same. Which could explain why the, why the uh, male suicide rate is so much higher than female. Ooh, nice. I was just going to say that. I was just going yeah. to say that because I read something, I can't remember where, but they were talking about the highest increase in recent times of suicide rates are, are men from 45 to 60. And it's based on the fact that they feel shame for not achieving what, they're so tied to their careers and what they've achieved that when that doesn't happen, their very identity is, they, yeah. they just don't have that floor. It's, it's shame. And it's, you know, I think that's a huge driver of, of male suicide in the say 45 to 60, 60, you know, in that, in that range. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. That's part of what drives the, you know, the archetypal stereotypical midlife crisis, you know, where you get the red sports car and, you know, that's a push away from the, especially in our society, men for, you know, condition for men, like, well, you know, your life's half over. What have you accomplished? 
I'm 43 and I'm definitely starting to have more of those thoughts. Like, okay, Joseph, where's all those books you've been talking about? (laughs) You know? (laughs) The the shame thing not being effective, I think uh, also paralleled uh, the social science that suggests that uh, punishment of children doesn't, is not effective per se. Yeah, again, so when, when someone is punished or held accountable, if you look at it through this lens, there's going to be a blend of shaming, mm-hmm. potentially, if it's done poorly, and enforced regret about the action, mm-hmm. which Brene Brown calls guilt, and I still don't like the term, but I'm working on it. So to the degree that's blended, because the distinction is not appreciated in our society, to the degree that's blended, you may have had a parent think about your own parents and, and, and did they, when you messed up, did they go out of their way to make sure that you didn't feel like you were a bad person or a bad kid? Did they ask you questions? Did they say, now, just so you know that you you know, emptied entire gallon of milk on the kitchen floor has nothing to do with who you are as a person. You just made a mistake. Yeah. That it's the third gallon this week raises some concerns for me about your coordination, but we can work on that. <laughs> you see, an authority figure to me has a responsibility because they're the authority they proactively take responsibility to do their best to differentiate between I'm bad and I did a bad thing. On the receiving end, an adult now armed with this information can also help. They can also help. One other thing I wanted to say, we were talking about um, depression. A lot of depression, I think, is actually shame or at least woven in with shame. You know, you won't see a a pharmaceutical company ad offering you a pill for shame, right? But if you look at the symptoms of shame and depression, there's a shutdown, there's a a lethargy, there's like unwillingness to try new things. There's a lot, a lot of overlap. And the shame, you could say in one way, is, is sometimes the essence that is fueling the depressive behavior. Because if you feel like everything you touch turns to shit and you feel worthless, well, then it's not going to really make sense to get out of bed in the morning. And then you go to a a shrink and they're going to diagnose you depressed. Well, a a psychiatrist is going to most likely diagnose you depressed. A good therapist would be able to tell the difference between depression and shame or how one is fueling the other. But it's, it's, it's a distinction that's not really very well made in our society. That is fascinating. When I have talked about uh, my depression of uh, a few years ago, and I know people that have legit depression, so I want to separate the two. Like, hey, I don't have clinical depression. I called it situational depression. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was it was situational shame to the failure of my startup and failure or dive of my last agency in a very public fashion. Mm-hmm that resulted in depressive states of state of mind. Yeah. That's what it was. I, I, I I'd never thought about it like that. Yeah. Uh, it very well said. Yeah. I mean, it, it exhibits basically the same yeah. way I would say. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. 
it may always, I don't know, maybe shame is always the root of depression in one way or another. I don't know. Hmm. Joseph, Mm -hmm. so you said that change (laughs) comes about from feeling uncomfortable. Almost always. Okay. So looking at this, I would think somebody would feel more uncomfortable with shame than they would with guilt. Yes. Well, it's not like the more uncomfortable you feel, the better it is for change. It's, uh, uh, that's the trick. It's just about finding the balance. And in this case, it's the, the nature of the discomfort. Because, and here's why, let's talk, I'm going to assert something about reality. I'm bad isn't true. I did something bad could be true. Notice how you, you're right up at the edge of um, spirituality now, because that's, 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 you can't not talk about it, right? What, what does your spirituality, religion, philosophy say about the essential goodness of a human being? We can't know, right? But it's a good thing to look at. Do, do, do your beliefs say that all people are inherently good? What does it look like to you? You know, one of the things that makes, drives me crazy in, in the world of fiction is the good versus evil thing. Because somebody name a movie, it's definitely like an action movie. I'm sure there's somewhere, you know, some sophisticated drama, like a David Mamet play or something like that. But think of like a, a mainstream multi-million dollar movie where it's framed like, oh, they're not evil. They're just wounded and making some bad choices. That never happens. It's good versus evil. They're bad. They're wanting to open the gates of hell upon the earth. They're wanting to rule the world. And we all have to fight to defeat it. Occasionally it happens. If you have an example, I'd love to hear it. I'm sure it does. Little Miss Sunshine. Uh, I can't remember. I saw that. I can't remember though. But Indie I'll... flick, the young girl that yeah. wants to be a pageant, the father who's wounded, wants to sell his book. And I would say that, but it's super rare. I totally super yeah. duper rare. But where it happens, yeah. But where it happens, it's like, he's not trying to take over the world. Right. right. You know, right. you don't see extreme negative actions combined with an understandable backstory for it. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Like the example that always gets me in so much trouble, Adolf Hitler. Everybody wants to think of Adolf Hitler as evil. And here's my theory why we like evil so much. Because if people like that are evil, rather than good people misguided making bad choices, then we don't ever have to look at how we might be good people misguided in making bad choices. We can just decide, well, they're evil. And I know I'm not evil, you know, because I'm not committing genocide and trying to take over the world like a James Bond villain. I know I'm a good person. End of story, right? But if you start looking at figures like Mussolini and Stalin and Hitler and the guy in, uh, from Rwanda, I forget his name, all these people who've done atrocious acts, and you think of them as good people who are severely misguided, that will change your whole worldview. Well, and it's a lot more work. Yes, it is. If you look at the the childhoods of serial killers, they all have a lot in common. You know, are they evil, bad people? In expression, their actions are that. 
They're just deeply, deeply wounded. That doesn't let them off the hook for their actions. Those are the rules of our society that you're, you're responsible for your actions no matter where they come from. But to me, the, the idea of evil or essential badness, which is what that is, is a brilliant ploy by our defenses to not have to take responsibility. You see? It's genius. It's genius. And like you said, while it doesn't take them off the hook, let them off the hook, it, it, in my opinion, it, it points a way to a better world. Yes. If yes. Parents, if parents can become enlightened enough to the point that they let few, less often and, and less severely wound their children. Yes, less severely. Not, they don't have to be perfect. And look how often people say when they make a mistake, well, but I didn't intend to do that. What's the case being made there? That you're not evil? <laughs> really look at that. I don't know why people say that. Oh, that wasn't my intention. I didn't mean to step on your foot. I didn't mean to crash your car. I didn't mean to... Of course you didn't. You're not evil. Nobody said you were. So you see, that's where it is. Oh, but I didn't intend to... Oh, you didn't intend to do that. Oh, well, then everything's fine. Then you're not responsible then. I mean, sometimes it matters if, you know, the difference between first-degree murder and manslaughter. Hey, it was an accident. You know, there was black ice. I didn't just crash in them with my car because, you know, they're dating my ex-girlfriend. Okay, that's a place where there would be a question. Did you intend to do that or not? But most of the time, bad stuff happens without intention. Even Adolf Hitler, did he intend? Yes, he did on one level, but he thought he was doing God's work. He wrote about it, wrote a whole book about it deeply spiritual guy, but nobody wants to think that deeply misguided. Joseph, you mentioned deeply misguided and the distinction between good and evil. And then there's not really evil, but then couldn't you make the distinction that there's not really good people either. There's just people. Like it seems like we're avoiding the other side of that where everyone thinks they're a good person, but why does everyone, like, is that actually true or not? I love that question. And uh, it, it, it opens the road toward a, a spiritual conversation that I can say a couple things around that will be productive. One I would say is like considering yourself a good person at the level of expression is just like considering yourself a responsible person. It's not useful. You're only as good as your last choice at the level of expression. Like, oh, when you say, oh, that so-and-so is a good person, what is it? They're kind, generous, you know, you know, helpful. Oh, those are good qualities. That's at the level of expression. But when we talk about a person being good, I'm talking about the level of essence. Now, and now it depends on your paradigm. Christianity has their version, Judaism has their version, Islam, Hinduism, Buddhism, etc. So it depends on what that is for you. You could have a neutral version. You could you could have whatever belief you want about it. I'm just interested in deconstructing the idea today that anyone is essentially bad. Are we essentially good? My personal orientation toward that is that it's experienceable that you're essentially good. I don't want anybody to believe that but it's experienceable that a human being is essentially good. The same way a tree is essentially good. It exists. It's here. 
It's good. In expression, it can do all sorts of bad things. Well, not trees, but human beings. I've never seen a tree do anything bad, have you? Well, sometimes when they fall over, but that's not really their fault, is it? They can fall over and destroy a house. Bad tree. Bad tree. Well, good tree, just bad choice to fall in that house. They heave a lot of sidewalks. They do. There you go. Sidewalks. Cracking foundations. Whole other story. But so, what I would say is whatever your spiritual, metaphysical, um, religious, et cetera, beliefs are, take a look at how they may or may not be supporting shame because it's not helpful. Says, quoth I, quoth the studies, et cetera. Yeah, otherwise, we'll end up in a very intense. I love that you bring that up, Tower, but it gets very uh, intangible at that point. Thanks for listening to Manage to Engage, the clear and open podcast. Join us next week when you'll be a little bit closer to who you're destined to be. Until then, know that Clear and Open is dedicated to the evolution of you because businesses grow when people do. Be sure to visit clearandopen.com for the latest tools, articles, and free resources to help you on your journey. Thanks for listening and bye for now.